Welcome back to Out of the Cold, the podcast that dives deep into unsolved and solved cold cases in North Texas. I'm Deanna Boyd. Today we're exploring the unsolved 2007 murder of Jose Martin Munoz. And I'm going to warn you, grab some tissues. Now there's a well-known saying that we've all heard, time heals all wounds, but not for the Munoz family. More than 10 years after the murder, the family's emotions are still raw. It's written on their faces, and you'll hear it in their voices. Martin Munoz, he went by his middle name because he joked there were too many Mexicans in the world named Jose, was the epitome of a family man. He'd come to the United States from Mexico as a young teenager. He picked oranges in Florida and later moved to California, where he worked as a chef in a restaurant until finally making his way to Fort Worth in the mid-80s. After a happenstance meeting during Sunday Mass at Holy Name Catholic Church, Martine fell in love with his soon-to-be wife, Elizabeth. At the time, Martine worked as a lead man at a fiberglass company, while Elizabeth worked in the upholstery business. And like Martine, Elizabeth had been among the first of her family to migrate to the U.S. Because neither had family around at the time, Elizabeth says they kind of gravitated toward each other. Martine was a funny guy. He had a gift for making people laugh, including Elizabeth. And not long after meeting, the two started going out to the movies and dinner. And six months later, they were married. They'd ultimately have three children together. The oldest daughter, Viviana, then Cynthia, and finally a boy, Kevin. Life was good for the Munoz family. Martin had an unquestionable work ethic, always putting his family first. He sometimes juggled three jobs at once. He fixed and rented out houses. He worked for years at a tire shop and he saved, eventually buying a building at 2837 East Rosedale, just down the road from Texas Wesleyan University to open up his own auto shop. He was magical with cars. He'd fix them, he could paint them, and he eventually expanded his business to even sell them. He called it KVC Auto Sales, using the first letter from each of his kids' names. But his love for his family went beyond his wife and children. The oldest of seven children, Martin also provided for his family in Mexico, his oldest daughter Viviana says. When he was young, he grew up with his um, grandparents and they would take him out in the ranch and they would, um, they would, he was working in the fields with them since he was like really, really young. Cause he always used to say he wanted us to have everything he didn't have. So I think he was, he was always trying to do the best for us and also for, for his brothers and sisters and my grandpa and my grandma and everybody. Cause he's the one that bought them brought them here, so. His daughters remember helping their dad clean out rental homes and hanging out at the auto shop, rolling tires around while he worked and Elizabeth did paperwork. Occasionally, Martine would give his daughters lessons in auto repair. We learn more than girls are supposed to know about cars. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking around with her because I, I tell her, her boyfriend tried to change a tire once. And I was like, well, let's change the handle because she can do it. <laughs> and so I think, uh, I think we can handle a couple she of things always, on her own. <laughs> yeah, she would always say, I'm going to teach you uh, everything so you will never have to depend on any guy or any yes. guy. So you can do, for, do it for yourself. Right. You know? yeah. Now, in addition to being independent, Martine wanted his kids to be well-educated. They dreaded coming home with anything less than a B. Not because her dad would be mad, but because he'd be disappointed. When Viviana got accepted into two universities, including a full scholarship to Texas Wesleyan, Martine was thrilled. I mean, imagine your oldest baby gets a full ride to a local college that's literally just down the street. 
He encouraged her to accept and study business, and she was ready to do that. But then an acceptance letter arrives in the mail from TCU, the school Viviana had longed to attend. She wanted to study nursing, but had only received a partial scholarship. I remember we were like all really excited and jumping and happy, and, and I was like, wait, I don't know what my dad's gonna say. <laughs> and the first thing he said, he's like, he's like, Mija, if that's where you wanna go, we'll, we'll figure it out. He's like, so we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. So like, like we were saying, nothing was ever too impossible for him. So it was, he knew that I wanted to do nursing at the time. So he was like, we're gonna make it work. Though he worked often, Cynthia says her father also wanted to make sure he was close to his family. He bought a two-story house on the city's east side in the Meadowbrook neighborhood, close enough to the tire shop so he could run home if needed. One thing I miss a lot was um, him coming home and us running to the door because <laughs> we were always really excited to see him. As soon as we heard the truck, yeah. Everybody would just run to the door and then we would fight about who would get him the water <laughs> or to, his food first. Yeah. Like who would get to hug him first or... And, or like if we ever didn't um, hear him come, like he would walk in and he would start hiding and then like start making little noises like to just play around with us. <laughs> that was every, every day. On the evening of January 31st, 2007, Dad never came home. We were all just waiting for him to get home. We heard a knock at the door and we thought it was him, but it was my mom's sister. She couldn't really get her words out. She went towards the kitchen and then I sensed kind of something was wrong. She came and told me that somebody shot my husband and I can't believe it. I was thinking it's nothing, maybe it was something the family piled into their aunt's car. She drives them to John Peter Smith Hospital, a relatively short ride, but I'm sure it seemed like forever for the Munoz family. All the way there, I mean, they wouldn't tell us anything, they wouldn't give us any details. And I think she knew, I just didn't think, I don't she think she wanted to tell us. Yeah. So the whole way there, I just remember putting my head between my knees and, and just kind of, just kind of praying. I'm like, please don't let him be shot anywhere in his chest or in his head. Just please don't be shot anywhere in his head or his chest. And when we caught there, my cousin is around my age, he's about two years younger. But I don't know how they ended up at the tire shop, but they, they got, they saw him. You know, and my cousin is really strong. He's really, you know, like nothing can can phase him. You know, so he he had a really pale look on his face, and he's he just looked at me, and I was like, she he's like, I saw him. And I was like, he's gonna be okay, right? And he's like, I don't think so. Martine had been shot in the head. So many family members flocked to the hospital that night, the JPS provided them their own private waiting room. Medical staff worked on Martine for a few hours. He received multiple blood transfusions. Viviana had left the waiting room for a bit and wasn't there when the family was told that Martine had died. When she returned, she noticed how family members couldn't look her in the eye, and soon someone broke the news that her father had passed. I remember I kind of like fell to my knees and I don't remember who it was, but they were like trying to pick me up and trying to sit me down. And I, I felt this hole in my, 
my stomach, I felt like, I felt like, like they were lying to me. It was so unreal. It was, it was so unreal. He was only 39. So this case is heartbreaking. I mean, here's a man who's worked all his life, provides for his family, wants the best for his children, then goes to work one day and never comes home. And what did he lose his life over? Police say an argument over tire rims, stupid tire rims. So Fort Worth cold case detective Jeremy Roden recently explained how the fatal shooting went down. Keep in mind that the detective is calling Martine by his first name, Jose. Now police have a lot of details about what happened that night because there was a witness a mechanic who worked there at the store. And the mechanic tells police that it was getting close to 6 p.m. when two Hispanic men pulled into the business in a pickup, wanting to get some rims changed out on two wheels. They agree on a price, unload the wheels from the back of their truck, and Munoz begins the work while the men wait at the business in their pickup. When the work was done, they took the wheels and tires back to the truck that was driven by these two younger Hispanic males. As they were at their truck, they got into a disagreement. Jose got into an argument with one of the younger Hispanic males about the work that had been done. The passenger complained that one of the rims had been damaged. An argument then follows over payment for the repair. Martine asked the mechanic to get some paperwork from his office, then puts one of the wheels back in the shop's bay area. When the employee came back, he heard Jose and this young male still arguing. By this time, they had moved back into the shop, and Jose told the young Hispanic male that he was going to call the police. That's when the employee heard a gunshot. And when he ran to where Jose was, Jose had suffered one gunshot wound to his head. The two young Hispanic males fled in their truck. Now among things police had going for them was a darn good description of the suspect's pickup. I mean, who knows vehicles better than a mechanic? The mechanic tells police the pickup was a red four-door Dodge Ram pickup, 1500 series, maybe a 2002 or 2003 model, with a short bed and black bed liner. He said it had fancy aftermarket wheels, 28 inches in size. The two Hispanic males that were in the red truck, our witness only got a, a good look at one of them. The driver of the truck never got out of the vehicle. It was the passenger that they had most of the interaction with. Now, the passenger was described as light-complected, maybe 20 to 22 years of age, and about 5 foot 6 inches tall. The witness thought he might have had some tattoos on his arms. The driver was thought to be between 20 and 25 and appeared a little on the heavy side. The officers that responded to the scene actually stopped several vehicles that were close in description over the next couple of hours. The witness looked at the people that they stopped and did not believe that was them. Nor did detectives ever identify a woman who may have also seen the suspects at the shop that evening. The mechanic who witnessed all of this take place did say that in the process of the repairs that were being done on these wheels and tires brought in by our suspect, that another customer did come to the tire and repair shop. Um, he described this as a female. He said that she was driving a Chevrolet Aztec van and that she had her brakes worked on and he believed that he had replaced a rotor on her vehicle. The detectives at the time were never never able to identify who this female witness is. So with the description the mechanic could provide of the shooter, detectives had a composite done and released it through the media, yet no suspects were ever identified. 
Martine's family says they never dreamed he'd be in danger while at work. I mean, you never expect anything like that to happen. Police station's right down the street. There's a middle school right there. There's a there's a, the university. There's traffic everywhere. There's traffic everywhere. Somebody's I mean, there's always hope, you know, right down the street. So we weren't worried too much. Nor did they ever imagine that the persons responsible would never be caught. Elizabeth honored her husband's wishes. The family took Martin's body back to his hometown in Zacatecas, Mexico. Family and mourners packed the church for the funeral. They discussed with Kevin, only six at the time, whether he'd like to see his dad's body in the coffin one last time, a way to say goodbye. But Kevin didn't want to. And he's like, no, I don't want to see him because that's not my dad. He's like, he's like that's not my dad. Viviana said growing up, the siblings had always joked around, affectionately calling elderly people chicharrones, or fried pork rinds, and talking about the day that they too would become chicharrones. And I remember him clearly saying, he's like, he's like, my dad wasn't supposed to go now. He was supposed to he stay was, until he was a chicharron. <laughs> So covering murder cases for as long as I have, I'm always stunned by all the collateral damage caused to families after a loved one is murdered. Take Viviana. Before her dad's death, here she is in her freshman year at TCU. She's following her dream of becoming a nurse, and she seems on an upward track. But grief can be crippling, and it's not long before she drops out of college. I took a semester off. to try to get back together and just, you, you can't. It's been almost 11 years since he been, he's been gone and I tell my husband, this year is a year that I finally feel that I can get back on my feet and try to be, let's get a little bit of sense of normalcy, but it's not the same. People, people say that time heals all wounds, but I don't think it heals them, I think it, you just learn how to live. You just hard learn how to live with the pain, but you miss them every day. The murder of her dad altered what she even wanted to be. She now attends Tarrant County College, studying to become a paralegal, in between caring for her two sons, the oldest named Martin, after the grandfather he never got to meet. After all this happened, I was like, I don't want to be a nurse, I don't want to be in hospitals. And I mean, every time I walk into a hospital, it still brings back this like, yeah. somber, doesn't feel good. When you can no longer hug, kiss, see, or talk to your father, his daughters say you cling to every reminder of him. It was only two years ago that the family finally found the strength to remove Martine's clothing from the house. I used to go sit in his closet and just kind of smell his clothes because it still smelled like him. I, I didn't want to remove his clothes from the closet, but in one moment, we need to put this out of the house because it's getting hard. Every day we saw his items, we remember and we're never gonna heal. Among the items that they kept were Martin's cowboy hats and boots. They're for Kevin. After his father's death, Kevin used to sneak into the closet and put them on, his little frame drowning in them. But now a senior at Northside High School, his dad's hats fit and he wears them proudly. Everyone says Kevin looks like his dad, and his sisters say they're often amazed when they see their dad's mannerisms shine through in their little brother. You didn't get to see my Kevin grow up. It's the most. Yeah. Because he had so many plans. Towards the end, he was like, you know, I'm not going to work that much anymore. I'm going to hire people to work at the tire shop because I want to spend more time with my son. 
He's like, I want to take karate classes. I want to teach him how to box, you know, because my dad he could box too. So it's just he could do everything. He wanted to teach him everything, you know. To feel closer to their father, Cynthia and later Kevin both joined the Northside High School's mariachi band. Cynthia played the violin, her brother now the guitar. Martin had loved to sing, belting out songs of Vicente Fernandez in Spanish from the moment he rose each morning. Though she since graduated high school and is now about to graduate college, Cynthia still plays in a band. That's, that's what he liked the most, music, mariachi music. That's why I started, you know, I wanted to do something. I want him to like be part of me. And I ended up liking it so much that I'm still doing it like 14 years later. <laughs> Elizabeth still owns and rents out the building that had housed her husband's business. The Munoz sign is long gone, and another tire shop now resides there. She's contemplated selling the building, but the idea is met by resistance from her family. The good memories of their father still live there, but so do the painful reminders. We have good, good memories about that place, but the worst is when we remember what happened. And it's terrible. What the family wants more than anything is someone to be held accountable. They've talked to various detectives through the years, grasping for answers. Is there anything new? Are they still looking for their father's killer? During one such call, Viviana says, the family felt the detectives simply dismissed their concern. I know they have tons of other cases, and I know new cases keep coming on when we see them in the news every day, but, but to us, this is personal. I mean, he was, he was our dad, he was our friend, he was, it was everything to us. He was our world. As a result of feeling tossed aside, she says the family stopped calling so much. It's something both sisters now regret. They say if they had been the ones killed, their dad would have searched for those responsible himself. Because if anything ever happened to us, you bet he would have found them. Yeah. He would have made just That's something that I feel like I kind of feel responsible for. Like we haven't fought enough to find out who's, who did it, you know? To, to kind of make him pay for what he did, you know? And he deserves to pay because it's not fair that he's out there, even the driver, you know, that he's out there getting to spend time with his family, maybe having children, getting to see his people grow up, and we don't get to share any of that with him because he's gone. A few weeks ago, the family received an unexpected call from Detective Roden. He wanted them to know that he was working on their case and that he was looking into a new lead. And I felt like I was a huge blessing. I was like, thank you, God, that they haven't let it, they haven't let it just sit there, you know, or um, that they're still looking at it, you know. I was, I was really thankful for that. It was it's almost unbelievable. It's like, okay, they're still, you know, they're still yeah. trying to know. If you have information about the murder of Jose Martin Munoz, please call Fort Worth Police Cold Case Detective Jeremy Roden at 817-392-4307. Thank you for listening. Check back next month for a new episode of Out of the Cold. Out of the Cold is produced by Steve Wilson, edited by Lee Williams, and written and narrated by me, Deanna Boyd. <laughs>